Uh, we're gonna start in 13. Uh, I'm just gonna do 13 and 14. Just kidding. <laughs> I know you guys are like, gosh, every time Joe teaches, we don't get like two verses down. Supposed fast-paced book of Mark. A year later. <laughs> yeah. Now we're gonna go 13 through um, oh 31. What we're gonna shoot for today. So in 13, then they brought little children to him that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them. For of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. Now as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, teacher, all these things I have kept from my mouth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, one thing you lack, go your way. Sell whatever you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up your cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Then Peter began to say to him, See, we have left all and followed you. So Jesus answered and said, Surely I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brother or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the gospels, who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time house, houses and brothers and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands, with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. Lord God, I just come to you in prayer, Father, today. Let this message be a seed planted to the soil that you have prepared fertile and ready to produce abundantly, Lord God. Humble us, Lord, to hear your truth. 
Humble us to uh, put aside our feelings, even when things we just, our thoughts, what we might think, to desire truth and truth alone, Lord God. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So I am jacked about this message. Love it. And um, it's funny because it's like a weird emotion of excited, but and then also with that, and it's weird how it can roll together, but God can make these things go together. So it's not an oxymoron of I'm excited, but I'm also the Lord has given me, you know, this grieved heart as well of just like of people that aren't saved, you know, the people that don't live for Christ. So it's awesome. It's a good thing. I'm thankful for that. I pray for that. But what we're going to talk about today, you know, it speaks to me. And just to be just to be straight, I think it speaks directly to those of us in this ranching community who think that we're going to heaven, we're good, because we're good people. We're nice. We don't lie. We work really hard. So I think this is talking to us as much as anybody. I think it's... Um, it's here because of this ranching life and this, this lifestyle where we do work hard. But we're going to get into um, understanding what that looks like. And, and that Jesus is going to give us a good story of, of what that is. Um, you know, the, the message is going to speak to us about these things that, of the world that distract us. That keep us from the truth. The truth of God. So let's get into it. So verse 13. Then they brought little children to him that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not forbid them. For of such is the kingdom of God. So children are examples of how we must enter the kingdom of God. With childlike faith, not childish faith. So we're just gonna we're gonna kinda just like be real about what children are, right? Or how the, the minds of children. You know, it's easy to think about, you know, as a as a child, we want to um we want to love our father. We want to be like our father. You know, we see we see our father as, as a small child, we see a, our father as, you know, someone that's big and strong. Um, we think they know everything. They have all the answers. And it's hilarious because my kids, <laughs> I'm always trying to, whatever I'm trying to tell them to do, I'm, I'm just like, hey, I'm your dad. I know everything. <laughs> and they are constantly, just instantly firing back. No, you don't. Jesus does. <laughs> so I spank them, send them to the room. But I tell them they're right. They are correct in that. But still, you know, like I'm just getting this idea, this, this picture of, of children, right? And, and, the, and the way children um, yearn for their father, you know. So um, they want to learn from their dad. They want to run to their dad when they're sad or hurt or mad. This is no coincidence, you know, we're made in a, in God our Father's image. 
to trust, the way we're made in His image is to trust like this, to have faith like this. The same way the children do. Here's the thing, though. I'll bet you we might miss a lot of times with this idea of how making the kingdom of God how children are. Right here, we're not talking about how innocent and humble children are. Think about it. That's not correct. Children are not humble. They're not innocent. We believe the Bible. They're, they're born sinners, right? And then if we have kids and we know what that looks like as far as, you know, Georgia runs by and runs into the wall at our house, hurts her leg completely by herself, and she will straight up tell me it was my fault because, like, I moved us into that house. <laughs> like, well, no, you're, she didn't humble, humble herself to say, like, no, I ran into the wall because... I was running too fast and wasn't paying attention. But that's okay. Like, that's just a little a small example. Get us in this idea of like, this is not talking about how innocent and humble children are. They're not. That's good. That's okay. So, with that, um, where am I at here? So, uh, verse 15. Surely I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as little children will by no means enter it. Okay, so this is talking about how children will receive something and not try to earn it. Okay? So, like the child in, is in a place, as we're raising them, right? They're in this place constantly where they're just receiving. They're not, they're not trying to, like, gain nothing or earn nothing. They're just like everything that they're, they're just receiving stuff. That we're just constantly, we're feeding them, and they're just receiving it. And they don't know why. They're just like, that's how it goes as, as they grow up and as we're getting them closer to be out on their own. So in verse 15 here, it says, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. Receive the kingdom of God, not earn it. So only by receiving, dot, 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 like a little child, not going and doing something. In verse 16, it says, And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. This is an awesome picture, you guys. I love it. More of this picture of this father that just holds us, you know, as we hold our children, we just love them or hold them close. You know, we're, like we just lay hands on them to protect them all the time. And so that's what, that's what the picture is he's painting here, right? He picks up these children, he holds them, and he lays hands on them, and he blesses them. And in the ancient Greek, the word as a verb is emphatic. And it literally means fervently blessing. So, okay, so think about this. Jesus holding these kids like a parent, loving them, and then he's fervently blessing them because they are... This example of coming to them by receiving Christ. Going into verse 17. Now as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? This story is about the rich young ruler. Okay, this is a, this is a guy that has everything the world could offer. He's still got his youth. He's got, he's rich. He's got everything he wants. 
And um, yet, why is he, if he has everything he wants, why is he running, it says, to Jesus and then kneeling with a question? Perhaps, I would say, the most important question for all of us, constantly. And as we get into this, we're going to unravel the, this question. But as we go to you guys, don't, don't forget this childlike faith that is just, that is revealed, or that is, um, is given to us. Okay, so um, verse 18, so Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one. That is God. So go in verse 17 there just before it said, the rich young ruler called Jesus good teacher. So we're, gonna, we're just going to touch on this good teacher thing. So a little bit of little bit of history here is back in Jesus's day, nobody they wouldn't call anybody a good teacher. They wouldn't call the rabbis or the Pharisees or anybody a good teacher because it implied complete sinlessness. It implied complete goodness. You know, and so even rabbis and Pharisees, let's not get it, let's not get the stories mixed up as far as when we read it, you know, Jesus is constantly rebuking the Pharisees, right? Like calling them hypocrites and stuff. But let's not confuse it that they thought that they were sinless. The Bible doesn't say that. I mean, I'm sure there might have been some of them. But for what we read in the Bible, the Bible doesn't say that these Pharisees are, are calling themselves sinless. In fact, you know, they're, the reason they're getting rebuked is because they're um, saying do this, but they're living like this, right? Okay, so let's not get confused that they think they're sinless. We know they're not because of church history of, you know, they would... Um, so say like people would come to repent in the Old Testament and they would bring offerings and there would be people in the tabernacle or the temple and bring it to the priest and the priest would take it and then you go into the inner courts where the, um, the Holy of Holies are and they would have a rope around their leg because if they weren't right with God on repenting, they would just be struck dead and hit the ground and nobody could go get them because it was so righteous in there, right? So they would literally drag them out by a rope. So we see that, that they, they didn't claim to be, if they claimed to be sinless, they wouldn't have a rope on their leg, right? And then also we'd see throughout history where they would tear their clothes when they're in repentance. They would wear sackcloth. They would put ash on their head. So these are biblical guys, right? These are in the, we've seen it with the prophets as well. But so the point of this, like, let's don't get confused there. They, they didn't, Pharisees and the rabbis and stuff didn't think they were sinless. So for them, for this guy to come running, which was a Jew. And if you're Jewish in this day, like you were raised from start to finish on, on the word of God. So he knew they didn't call people good. And he comes to Jesus saying, good teacher. You know, it's a good little part there. And then Jesus has this facetious question, doesn't he? He says, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. So here, what I love about this, you guys, and if we read the Bible, and if you want to hear God's truth throughout the Bible, you will hear Jesus or whoever's talking, talk about the deity of God. And here's just a little blip of it, along with this story that we're going. Um, He's saying, well, how could you call me good? There's no, nobody's good but, but God. Jesus is not denying his deity as God right now. He's just asking a question he knows the answer to. And he's saying, okay, you know, you're calling me good. You know the customs. You wouldn't say that to anybody. You know I'm God, so you might want to be paying attention to what we're about to talk about. So that's just a good little one to keep in your back pocket when you have, if you have any kinds of conversations about the deity or questioning the deity of God. 
But he's just trying to get this guy to think about um, what this guy's implying about Jesus when he comes running to him. You know, he's trying to get this guy to realize the importance of listening to Jesus um, because of who he is. He's God. In verse 19, it says, You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. Okay, now now we get to the question, right? It was up in verse 17. The question was, um, how, how may I inherit eternal life, right? So here we're getting into the question. What must I do to um, inherit eternal life? I want to show you guys the problem with this question. The way this guy is asking it. Okay, that's important to hear that. He says, what must I do? Okay, and back up real quick, rewind. Don't forget what we just talked about of this receiving. Child's not earning, a child's receiving. Okay, so he says, what must I do? He thought eternal life was a matter of earning or deserving, not a relationship with Jesus. This question is the most important question for sure for all of us at any time in our lives. With this question, we need to understand we cannot keep the commandments at all. Being a good person or working hard doesn't doesn't get it done. And the reason... God made the commandments. The reason, some more church history here, the reason he made the commandments, knowing we, it doesn't make sense. Well, why would you give us commandments when you know we can't fulfill them? This doesn't make sense. He did that so that we would realize we're going to fall short every single day and that we need a Savior. Oh, here comes Jesus, our Savior. Right? That's why he gave us commandments, knowing we couldn't fulfill them. So just touching on this, this is in the middle, but we're going to get to this whole thing, touching on this of... You guys, if there's one thing that any of us can do to earn one little moving ahead with Jesus, if there's one thing we can do, just one, any of us, Jesus died for nothing because Jesus came for all of our sins so that we didn't have to earn it because we couldn't earn it. Remember we just talked about the Ten Commandments that we cannot do, right? So we can't earn it. Never, ever. It's receiving Jesus, taking him in. So in verse 20, And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my mouth. These commandments we just talked about. So I, what I like about this, okay, he says, I've kept all these things from my mouth. My, youth. what's that? Youth. youth. My bad. Maybe it's not too. All these things I kept from my youth. That's hilarious. <laughs> I need to have Georgia type this up for me. Um, so anyways, my first thought is like, well, right, you've, you've kept these comments, but like, what about your thoughts? So you, we know in our, if we're thinking something, we might as well, it's the same as doing it, according to God. You know, we can read Matthew five twenty eight where Jesus says, um, but I say to you that... Whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So it's the same thing. We can read it elsewhere in the scripture where, where you think it, you're guilty, whether you physically did it or not. So there's that. Was this guy foolish? He says he's kept all these these commandments with his mouth or youth. You guys, you guys pick. I, I like my way better. Um, 
Or maybe let's give the guy the benefit of the doubt. Let's let maybe he's a righteous dude, really, like where he realizes he's sin and he sins and he so then he goes and he repents, right? And that's okay, that's the commandments. We do that constantly as believers in Christ. So let's, maybe that's his that's his deal. Maybe that's how he goes about it, and that's what he's talking about. Um and that, you know, we can relate to that. But these are these are great points to take away from the, the account of Mark in the in this, you know, the account that Mark is giving us. These points are part of the gospel. You know, the point of, is he, am I fooling myself about keeping the law and the commandments? Can I really? I think I can, or I think I can do this. Or is it, you know, this realizing I fall short with the law and, and I repent. So it's still, it's two good points and it's great. So one or the other there. But let's, let's, look, let's look into it a little more. So let's break down this guy's life real quick, okay? Let's, he's a, what do we know about him? He's young. He clearly worked hard. He's ambitious because he's young and he already has all these riches. He's got everything he wants. Um, he's kept the commandments one way or the other, according to him, right? We're just learning about this guy. So let's read what the problem is. And also, let's, let's read what the point is. Okay, so in verse 21, Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. Okay, so Jesus looked at him, loved him, and Jesus... You know, he could see this guy worked hard, had had everything he wanted, but was still empty. Like, besides being God and knowing everything, like, look, at, we know it too, because this guy had everything, the rich young ruler, but come running to Jesus, falling at his feet, calling him God by saying good teacher, right? So he he loved him enough to tell him in this, that he was idolizing things of this world, that would someday be gone. All of his money, his land, whatever kind of mud house he had that was probably awesome, two stories with big French windows in the front, it's going to fall down one of these days and be gone. And so we get this sense of this guy, knowing that he has everything, but he's, you guys kind of see this, though? He's still realizing that I'm missing something, so you can kind of see that there's a little bit of a heart tug in there with him. So... You know, Jesus sees this, and that's what he's talking about when he says he sees him and he loved him. He, I didn't phrase that right, and you guys are so sticklers today. <laughs> Jesus looked at him, loved him, okay, and then told him to do these things. So he tells him to sell his possessions, and he will um, have eternal treasures in heaven. And tells him that by taking up the cross and following him, tells him by doing by. He can do it by taking up his cross and following it. So Jesus can teach this guy. Jesus can teach us to let the don't let the riches of the world be a distraction to us. To search our hearts on what we idolize, what we love more than we love Jesus. In verse twenty-two, it says that, um, but he was sad at this word. And went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. 
So we're, we're still learning about this guy. We learn that this guy thinks he can earn or do things to gain eternal life. He asked, you know, what can I do? He says, you know, I've kept all these commandments. Just prior to that, we're talking about, you know, receiving, not earning faith as a child. And um, because he was sad and went away sorrowful, you know, we see that he chose that over, over Christ. It doesn't say that he, like, leaped with joy and, and um, left, sold everything, gave it to the poor, and followed Jesus. Like, like the disciples did. And it's funny because, don't hold me to this, but I don't know any other stories really where, like, it's this intimate. And, that, like, usually they're, no, there is other stories. But usually, like, they are going to jump on the ship with Jesus and go. And this is, like, a time where the guy turns away and is, like, right to Jesus' face. Says, no, nah, that's a bummer, man. I really wanted to, I was hoping you were going to fill that void that I'm missing. But this stuff's, I got a lot of it. So I can't just give it away. So um, in verse 23, then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. So like as we've been going through Mark, you guys, like I just, it's like a good book you can't put down to me. Like every time we're teaching here, and it's just like, you know, like a good book, it's like a movie, right? You're watching it in your mind. And so I'm, that's what I'm, I'm just seeing this. So just picture this, you guys. Jesus is talking to this guy. All this stuff happens. The guy runs in. He's talking to him. You know, he asks him questions. He already knows the answer to just to get this guy thinking, right? You know, and engaging him. And then um, the guy just straight up says, no, sorry, I want my stuff. And then, so right here, you can just see it. Jesus just looked and said to his disciples, he's like, turns around as they're watching all this. He's teaching them. And he's just like, look, you guys, man, look how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. Right? He's just like sad with his Disciples like, do you guys see this? And we know that it's a pretty big deal and serious because, he, look, he's going to say it again. In verse 24, uh, the, And the disciples were astonished at his words, but Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, right? He's pleading with his disciples right now. Children, look how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. He said that twice. We know that in the Bible when they... When things are repeated, it's of importance. It's like the exclamation point. He's not messing around. He's very serious. He's like, this is a big deal. You guys don't forget this because I'm going to send you out later and you're going to have to like use this as an example. This is, this is a sad deal. So with this, though, the, when the disciples are they're astonished, when, he, when he's talking about that in the beginning of this, it seems kind of odd, like, well, why would they be, you know, surprised that Jesus said this? Well, back in that day, the people who were rich were considered blessed by God. Everybody just assumed they were blessed because they were rich, that they loved God, God loved them, so on and so forth. So that's why the disciples were like, what? And so I just, I want to encourage you guys to think about this because like as, I'm, as I read through this and I'm just watching the film in my head, I'm just thinking of like, man, how easy it is that stuff and luxuries, right, of the world is simple. Yeah, we're talking about this guy that's rich and has all kinds of stuff, but it, it doesn't have to be that. Like, I got a new couch and I just finally got cable TV. What, 
Those, that nice luxury so I can rest, right? Does that stumble me or hinder me? Can that stumble me and hinder me from getting off my butt and reading the Bible maybe? Or going and telling somebody about Jesus? Or whatever it would be to further the kingdom of God. So like that's what in, in this movie we're watching, like that's what we need to be thinking about as well. Do these luxuries like do they distract us from God? These things like Satan just uses these things. He you know he uses money and no hard times, maybe, to just keep us content. I heard a sermon on the radio a while ago and it was awesome because the guy was like, Yeah, if, if if you're not really, you know, kind of lukewarm with God, but man, life's good. He's like, Satan's just like, yeah, I got you right here. I'm not, I'm not reeling you in. I'm not letting you run with the line. I just, I got you right here. Just stay right where you're at. You're doing great. You know, everything's good. So these, these things that are comfortable, these luxuries, all this stuff, like, it's just going to hold us right where we're at. And that, that's Satan. That's not God. If you, um, uh, da, da, da. So we're talking about stuff here, right? And so with that, though, you know, we should be asking ourselves, do we, do we desire to take every blessing? Because things that we have are blessings from God, right? God, everything that God made is good. You know, so do we take every blessing from God and do we use it for him and his kingdom? So I want to read to you Psalms 139, 1 through 3. And it says, O Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know my sitting down and my raising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. We need to take these questions serious and ask the Lord to search our hearts. It's not a bad thing. That's a great thing. Right? If we believe in God and we believe in heaven and all, you know, while we're here today... Let's just ask ourselves, Lord, what, like, what's getting in my way? Lord, I want to cut it off. The Bible says that. Pluck your eye out, cut it off, your arm off if it's causing you to stumble. Because it would be better to not have this stuff. We're talking about stuff. It would be better to not have it and not be comfortable and not have luxury now than it is to be in eternity in torment. So let's, let's ask this psalm right here, like... Lord, search my heart. Whether we're saved right now or not, doesn't matter. Lord, search my heart. Till we're with Him, we don't have to ask this question, right? So, verse twenty-five. It says, "Jesus says," and keep this in mind too, you guys. As we get into verse twenty-five here, um, it kind of it's hard, maybe kind of hard to keep going, but like Jesus is just talking. He's not. He hasn't stopped, right? So he's talking about. He says it twice of how hard it is to enter the kingdom of heaven as a rich man. And then he goes right into this part. It says in verse 25, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Okay, there's some different ideas on what exactly Jesus is talking about in this. I'm definitely not going into that. You're welcome. (laughs) Yeah, whoever heard the teaching last time of theology dis- disputes I wrecked it so we're not going there <laughs> not happening okay so but I will say with this with that passage and what he said twice and emphasizing and then goes right into that passage is um 
if, if we're listening to any of that, you guys, we don't need to make this hard. This way he just said of getting the camel through an eye of a needle, right? If we listen to any of this, it's just safe to take this just as Jesus said it. We can get our minds around this. Try jamming a huge camel through a little tiny hole. Try it, <laughs> right? Like, come on. Like, just take it as it is. We don't need to look into this any farther. Look, I'm trying to get into this debate right now. <laughs> Bonnie, come on, bring it. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> it's about as easy getting this, this huge animal through a little tiny hole in a needle. It's about as easy as getting a rich man into heaven. But the cool thing is, is it, it doesn't say it's impossible. He doesn't say that. Like, let's not, let's read it all. Let's, let's get it all. And that kind of, if you think about it, kind of rolls back into the thing of like the gifts and the things that we do have and the luxuries we do have. They are blessings of God, but what are we going to do with them? Right? Um, so in verse 26, and they were, sorry, checking my time there. And they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? So again here, you guys, just like we, we talked about in back then, um, in that day, they're still questioning it because if, if you're rich, they assume you're automatically even saved. Like that's, that's the history of, of the culture. And um, in verse 27, but Jesus looked at them and said, with men, it is impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. Okay, with man, salvation, with man, with like we said in the beginning, with being a hard worker and being a good person, is like getting to heaven the same way as you can fit a camel through the eye of a needle. It's impossible. It can't happen. The salvation is, is like, just with man, getting the salvation is like the camel situation. You know, it just it goes to, in the Bible, where, you know, where it says like, you know, not by works, lest anyone should boast, right? With God, it's possible, but not with man to get this camel through the needle. By grace, through faith. By grace, by receiving, like the child. Receiving grace, okay, through faith. That's how it happens. Okay, this is awesome. You guys, you guys have to laugh. I'll be so bummed if you don't. Okay, that's how I start my jokes. No, I'm just kidding. So... Pretty laugh ahead of time. Good. Verse 28. I just love you guys because Peter is like this poor guy. (laughs) Then Peter began to say to him, see, we have left all and followed you. Like I just laugh when I read this because we're going through Mark and this guy's just, he's so zealous for God, but he's just constantly sticking his foot in his mouth, right? But this time it's actually okay. But it's just funny, like all the commentary I read and stuff, everybody was like, Typical of Peter, you know, like this is just this his thing, but he's right here. You know, Peter and the disciples did give up everything, unlike the rich young ruler. This is a contrast between really picking up your day, your cross daily, and living for Christ and giving everything up. And then the picture of this rich young ruler is is why it's in here. Is why Peter says this, you know, Um, because we do see later on. You know, we see through the book of Acts and stuff where, you know, Peter is 
used. And, and then we see in Revelation where he's, because he did all these things, and we're talking about, you know, the riches in heaven and stuff and, and the reward. We see like in Reve- end of Revelation where in the millennial reign where him and the disciples have a role and a place through Jesus' work that he's doing in that time. So in verse 29, Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the Gospels, who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. Whatever is given up for him, for for Christ, will be returned many times over in addition to eternal life, you guys. Think about that. Let's not just clump it all into one. Addition to eternal life. So as we get into this this last piece, um, Kimmy and Dustin, you guys can come up and get ready. But in verse 31... um, Jesus says, but many who are first will be last, and the last first. So, everyone who sacrifices for Christ will be rewarded. The Bible tells us that. But let's not forget the reward will be in God's way and God's timing, not ours or how we think it ought to be. I encourage you guys... Pick up your cross daily. Sacrifice the things of this life that the Lord calls us to. Read your Bible. You, you will, if you want to know, you truly want to know, the Lord's going to, His words will come out and, and teach you that and show you that. He'll give you new desires of your heart so that these things aren't as bad of stumbling blocks. The true promise of His reward is on His time, not ours. Let him show us how we would be used for his glory and kingdom. Keeping our eyes and thoughts on not this life, but the life that is to come, that by the way, you guys, is eternal, forever. And let, our, let us have ears to hear the message in Jesus speaking of children and the rich young ruler. We cannot do or earn anything to inherit heaven, to inherit these gifts from God. I'm going to close this with with a quote from Spurgeon. He says, In the final account, it shall be found that no man has been a loser through giving up anything for the Lord Jesus Christ through he has his own method of deciding who are to be first and who are to be last. So in verse 31, talking about who's first or last, God will decide who's first or last. No one's a loser if you're first or last in the kingdom of heaven. Last time I checked, it's one or the other, up or down. So God will decide who's first or last. Let's be obedient 